I could not possibly mean it anymore. I got this. Candy bars, gone. Funyuns, gone. Ice cream, candy bars and Funyuns are gone. This year, I'm gonna connect with people, IRL. In real life. I made a list. That means I mean it. I'm gonna take care of myself. Right after I figure out who that is, other than a mom, which I love. I beat myself up. I'm never good enough. That has to change. Why do I do that? I'm such an idiot. See? This year I'm gonna work on being the cool dad, you know? Maybe go to the skate park, hang out with my kids. No biggie. <laughs> this works, right? I gotta learn to forgive myself. You know, give myself a break. Not be perfect. I've got it. I'm gonna step outside of my comfort zone by volunteering at the hospital. Maybe the pet shelter. Cause cats, they're so much easier. This year, I'm gonna forgive my mom. Now that I am a mom, I, I totally get it. This year I'm gonna start reading literature, you know books and such, because I hear it's good for me. This year, I'm shaving my back hair. I am tired of those kids at the neighborhood pool calling me Sasquatch. It's just that I am comfortable staying in my comfort zone. Who am I kidding? God, I wear myself out trying to outdo everyone. I, I can one-up everything, and it's exhausting. I have a lot of baggage and it is not all from the mall. Well, some of it is. I'm trying, God, I am. But there's a reason why I'd rather stay at home. I'm weak, God. I know it, you know it. And you know what, God? This year, I'm giving you all the places that hurt. I'm gonna give you all of my failed attempts that I think are gonna make me a better man. You are a strong fortress, God. You. And I'm gonna let you be strong in my weakness. All right, God. I'm gonna start with the best relationship. You and me. And then, we'll move outward from there. Hmm? Because this year, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. Good morning, Happy New Year. Good to see everyone. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says this, tying into the video. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So in about 36 hours and 27 minutes, those of you who stay up to ring in the new, new year, anybody do that anymore? We try, yeah. Okay. Uh, in, in about 36 hours or so, um, you're going to ring in the new year. And uh, if the studies are correct, about two-thirds of us will make uh, or implement some New Year's resolutions, those resolutions that say, I'm going to start doing this or I'm going to stop doing that. 
So I have a, a little bit of a, a quiz here. What do you think were the top 10 New Year's resolutions for last year? Lose weight, exercise, go to the gym, quit smoking, be on a diet, save money, or spend money. <laughs> and and uh, those were probably the same uh, top ones for the year before and the year before and the year before. So this is what they were uh, last year, according to one survey, eat healthier, get more exercise, save money, save more money, and focus on self-care. Those were the top four, so you, I think, hit them all. Um, has this ever happened to you? Your New Year's resolutions are the same ones as the year before? We started something, and then we stopped, or we stopped something, and then we restarted, and so we got the t-shirt, right? The t-shirt that says, my New Year's resolutions are same as last year. So what is the root? What is the root of why we make New Year's resolutions? We want to have better lives. We want to have better lives in 2019 than we did in 2018. Perhaps we want our lives to be more fulfilling, more significant, more peaceful, or more, and you can fill in the blank. We want our lives to be better. And so we decide we're going to start something new or we're going to stop doing something. Now listen to this. This is, it, it gets a little tricky in your brain. So New Year's resolutions, we start things by cramming more into our impossible schedules or we stop something but don't replace that something with something else that will meet the need fulfilled by the something we're stopping. Did you get that? Linda got that. All right, all right, one of you did. Okay, that's awesome. That all sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? And so this morning I want to suggest a different approach to having better lives. Instead of starting or stopping, I want us to think about trading up. Trading up. Now, does that, does that phrase make sense to everyone? Like when you hear the phrase trading up, it means something? I asked all my kids around the dinner table, I said, have you guys heard of the phrase trading up? And they're like, oh yeah, awesome. We've heard that before. So I'm assuming, thumbs up, trading up. All right, we'll talk about it. So what makes a good trade? You give away something and you get something that's better than what you gave away, right? That's a good trade. I was going to make some comments about the Cleveland Browns and trades they've made, but I'm not... I'm not versed enough in football to say those things. So um, you trade something away and you get something better. So in 2006, this man named Kyle McDonald, he set a goal. He had a red paper clip on his desk and he set a goal. He said, I want to trade this paper clip for a house. And so on July 14, 2005, he made his first trade. He traded his red paper clip for a fish-shaped pen. Fourteen trades later, his final trade, he traded away a role in a Corbin Benson film. Anybody know who Corbin Benson is? 
Uh, you know who that guy is. Okay, so this guy, Corbin Benson, he's an actor. He was in L.A. something or other. And uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so he had, in all his trades, somehow he had received a role in a Corbin Benson film, and he traded it away for a two-story house in Kipling, Saskatchewan, which is in Canada. Where's Brittany? There she is. All right. I knew Brittany would give me some feedback, being from Canada and all that. Eh? So he traded a paperclip for a house in one year, 14 trades. Often our resolutions look like this. We have a paperclip, and we want a house. And so we ask people, I have a paperclip, give me a house. No, I have a paperclip, give me a house. And after a while, we get depressed, and we throw away the paperclip because we never got a house. As we live our lives, let's think about trading up. Think about terms of not starting and stopping, but trading up. In the Bible, we find a person who had an amazing, great adventure following Jesus. And to have that experience, he made some amazing trades. We're talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul describes himself before he traded up. He, re he refers to himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews and that he is righteous and blameless. Paul thinks pretty highly of himself. And he described himself as a devoted Pharisee who is so committed that he persecuted the followers of Jesus because he felt they were contaminating his faith. So Paul is this powerful, prestigious religious leader then Paul makes a trade that will transform his life. He trades his life for the life of a follower of Jesus. And from that point on, Paul continues to trade up. He leaves behind his past, his powerful, prestigious past, to experience the great adventure that God has for him. And in Ephesians 3, Paul summarizes some of the trades that he has made. So we're going to look at this passage Break it down into five trades that Paul made. So in first, verse 1, he calls himself a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Paul trades up from religion to a relationship with Jesus Christ. He surrenders his life and is totally committed to following Jesus. So he trades religion for a relationship with Jesus. A second trade he makes is in verse 2. He says, the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. He recognized that when he traded his life for Jesus, God's grace was extended to him, but with a purpose. His grace was extended to him so he could share it with others. So Paul traded from regulations, the regulations of his religion, to the grace of God. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the grace of God is described. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own, it is the gift of God. Paul makes a third trade. He trades up from religious rituals created by man in an effort to please God. He trades up for the mystery 
of God. Have you ever been reading in the scriptures and you read something and you go, ooh, I don't get that. That's a mystery. We don't read and go, oh, that's terrible or wrong or must not be true. We go, that's a mystery. And Paul traded for the mysteries of God. But also in in verse 3, Paul tells us that the mystery was made known to him by revelation. So instead of practicing religious rituals, Paul, as a follower of Jesus, can experience the mysteries of God revealed to him through his relationship with Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, and through the Word of God. Three trades. There's a fourth trade. Paul trades restrictions for the church. Restrictions for the church. Paul's religion was limited to one people group. But as a follower of Jesus, Paul steps into a whole different situation. The body of Christ, open to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. So Paul went from the restrictions of one people group to anyone who would call on Jesus to be saved. And then finally, Paul trades up by trading riches for ministry. Verse 7 and 8, let me read those two verses. It says this, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul trades in worldly riches of power and prestige and position to be involved in the work of sharing the love of Jesus with the people in the world. So let's recap these two pictures of trading up. Kyle McDonald traded up from a red paper clip to a house. That's pretty cool. You have to admit that. I know what you're thinking. I've got a few paper clips in my house. I heard one time that no matter where you go in the world, you're only six feet away from a paperclip. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds pretty true. Now, Paul, how about his trading up? He was a religious leader with power, prestige, position, who had a life of comfort and control, and he traded from that up to a life as a follower of Jesus, where God gives him grace, where God gives him Uh, reveals to him the mysteries of God where he's invited into the body of Christ and where he's given a mission to share the gospel with the people in his path. Paul traded up from a successful religious leader to a follower, a faithful follower of Jesus. And as a faithful follower of Jesus, Paul continued to trade up as he walked with Jesus. He journeyed from a man who was mistrusted by other Jesus followers because he persecuted them, to a man who was used by God to bring light into the darkness and to bring the good news to countless thousands of people. So which of these two stories appeal to your sense of amazement? Now you have to to agree with me. Going from a paperclip to a house, that's pretty amazing. Yes? But how about a man who traded up from a life of power, prestige, position, comfort, and control 
to the great adventure of walking with Jesus. It's pretty clear that going from a paperclip to a house is trading up. But is going from the success, from a successful life in the eyes of the world to a follower of Jesus who is, quote, the very least of all the saints, is that trading up? Depends on our perspective. It depends on what we want to get out of life. I would submit that, yes, that is far more amazing than trading a paperclip for a house. So what happened to Paul when he traded worldly success for Jesus? When he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, he was literally in prison in Rome. He was in prison because the Roman government thought he was a dangerous person. Because everywhere Paul went, the Roman culture was changed. People's lives were transformed. And so they put him in prison because he was a threat to their power. He wasn't dangerous because he was going to hurt someone or create a rebellion, a violent rebellion. He was dangerous because people's lives were being transformed. They were following Jesus at any cost, irregardless of what the Roman government said to do. For example, when he was in Ephesus, Paul shared the good news of Jesus, and he helped new followers come together in Ephesus, form a church family. And while he was doing this, some amazing things were happening. And and one amazing thing I want to point out was uh, shared in Acts chapter 19, verse 18 through 20. And it says this, Also many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it, found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So I want to talk about these magic books for a moment. They're incredibly valuable, 50,000 drachmas. Today's dollars, $5 million. So these, these uh, magicians took their books and they burned them. They didn't sell them. They burned them because they weren't of God and they didn't want them to fall into the hands of anyone else. They traded up. They traded their magic arts and their valuable books for freedom in Christ. That's trading up. Even if it costs you $5 million, freedom in Christ, you've traded up. The economy was also transformed when Paul came to Ephesus. Listen to what one person said about Paul. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but people will start wor- stop worshiping the gods. So this person who wrote this made false gods out of silver and then would sell them. That's how they would make money. Nobody wanted to buy their false gods anymore because they had given their lives to Jesus. Paul was changing the economy. 
So Paul traded up as he walked along God's great adventure. He became dangerous. Lives were radically transformed as he followed the path that God had for him. So as Paul traded up, as he walked along God's great adventure, he became dangerous. Do you think God today is looking for dangerous people? Dangerous men and women of every age, from teenagers to, I always like, to, to what? To people that are getting older. That's what I came to in the first service. There's no old people in our church family, just people getting older. Amen, hearty amen to that. The Lord wants dangerous people today, just like he wanted dangerous people in the first century. Sometimes we read about the heroes of the faith and we go, well, I'm never going to be like Paul. He was brave and heroic and smart and all the things I'm not. But you know, Paul did not get to where he was going with one trade. He had to trade up over and over again. Think about Paul's first trade. Paul's first trade was he gave his life to the Lord. Then after that, after that first trade, his next trade was to go into obscurity for three years and unlearn everything he'd learned about being a Pharisee and a religious leader and then learn everything that Jesus taught him. That was his first trade after giving his life to the Lord. Three years of obscurity. And then his next trade is even a little more traumatic. His next trade, he had to go to Jerusalem and face the church, face the leaders of the church that he had persecuted just three years before. He wanted all those people dead three years before, and now he was coming to them and saying, I'm I'm with you guys. That must have been a hard trade. How many of us, me included, would say, too hard, too dangerous. I'll just do my thing up here and not go down to Jerusalem. Paul traded up. Traded obscurity to facing his past and receiving forgiveness from his newfound brothers and sisters. I think perhaps God is looking for some followers of Jesus who will trade up so that he can make us dangerous. Is that you? Do you want to be dangerous? Do you want to trade up so God can make you dangerous? What made Paul dangerous? Well, first, Paul was committed to living in union with Jesus above all else. From the time Paul traded worldly success for Jesus, his life reflected an intimate an intimate walk with Jesus. Kirk read this during the call to worship, Philippians 3 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted it, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul traded everything for his relationship with Jesus, and he would never trade that away. So, number one, Paul was committed to his relationship with Jesus. Number two, Paul lived out his calling. Paul was called specifically by God to be an apostle, to connect people with Jesus, to plant churches, to be an evangelist. He was specifically called to that. And he would not trade that for anything. And so that's what he did. He simply lived out the calling that Jesus had given him. 
At each step along the way of his great adventure, Paul traded his personal desires for his calling. And third, Paul endured tremendous hardship, hardship, but he did not give up. He was beaten or stoned to near death nine times. He was constantly on the move, often in dangerous situations. He worked hard. He often went without sleep. He was often hungry and thirsty. He often went without food. He was often uh, without adequate shelter or adequate clothing. And each step along the way, Paul traded his his uh, personal comfort for his calling. So what made Paul dangerous? He traded worldly success for life as a follower of Christ. He traded his personal desires for his calling. He traded his personal comfort for his calling. Paul traded up, and he lived dangerously. Then he wrote something in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, that cascades to us, cascades into the future to us. And this is what he said. He said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So what does Paul do? What is he writing? He's urgently, he's urging us to live dangerously by walking in the manner worthy of our calling that comes from God. Now what presuppositions does Paul make about us walking in a manner worthy of our calling? First, we've received a calling. He wouldn't urge us to live in a, in a manner worthy of our calling if he didn't know we would receive a calling. So we all, as followers of Christ, have received a calling. And if, and if you're ever in a place where you go, don't know what my calling is, There's an overarching calling that we all have. Love God, love others, and make disciples. So if you're in a place where I don't know what my calling is, God, so I'm just going to wait on you, wait on that specific calling, but don't wait and do nothing. Love God, love others, and make disciples. You'll never be outside God's will if you're loving God, loving others, and making disciples. So we walk in that calling by trading up. When you walk, what are you doing? When you walk, think about what are you doing? I'm walking, taking steps. I'm trading one piece of ground for the next, right? I step here. It doesn't matter if that's there anymore or not, right? I step here. I've traded that piece of ground for this piece of ground. So when we are walking In our calling, we're trading one piece of ground for the next. But we are also heading in a direction. And that direction is love God, love others, and make disciples. So if God gives you a calling and and it doesn't call you to love God and love others and make disciples, then it's not from God. If he calls you to sit on the couch and, I don't know, whatever you do on the couch, eat Funyuns or ice cream or watch video games or Netflix or whatever, if like that's all God's called me to do, are you loving God? Mm, probably not. Are you loving others? Mm, probably not. Are you making disciples? No. That's not a calling. To live dangerously, we need to walk in our calling. 
Love God, love others, and make disciples. Second, we have the resources available to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We have talents. You all are very humble people, so I'll brag on you. You have amazing talents. You all have amazing talents, gifts from God that are so incredible. You don't even know yet what your full capacity is. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You have tremendous gifts. Tremendous gifts. And we have treasures. God provides what we need to live dangerously for him. He wouldn't call us to go into the world and make disciples and say, oh, by the way, I'm out. You take care of yourself. He provides what we need to do what he calls us to do. So we have treasures. We also have time. Who would say they need more time? Who would like to have an eight-day week? Then I would really, really obey the commandment to make the Sabbath holy. If I just had eight days, Lord, give me eight days, I will obey the Sabbath. So we have how many hours in a week? 168. All right, so take 168 hours, uh, subtract sleep. I'll just say eight hours a day. I know most of you probably don't get eight hours a day, but we'll just go with that. That's 56 hours. So 168 minus 56, work 45 or school 45 hours. The Sabbath, 24 hours. How many hours do we still have left? 43. That's a, like a, a lifetime. We have time to live out our calling. And also those 45 hours that are at work, we can live out our calling at work too, can't we? Or at school. So we have lots of time to live out our calling. We don't need eight days. Actually, according to God, we only need six days. And rest one. And, and I don't say that in a condemning way because I am probably the least of the saints when it comes to obeying the Sabbath and having a Sabbath rest. It's one of my trades I'm going to make this year. And then also we have the truth. We have God's love letter to us filled with wisdom, filled with guidance, filled with encouragement, filled with power. We have God's truth to live out our calling. So God wants us to be dangerous people. He wants us to be dangerous people. And and I, I'll say this. I'll be I'll be uh, I got to think about this for a moment. I think that uh, we, where we're positioned. United States, Lake County, Geauga County, Cuyahoga County. God has put us in a position because of our talents and our treasures and our time and our understanding of the truth to be incredibly dangerous in his kingdom. And what does the devil fight dangerous Christians with? Distraction, comfort, more distraction, and more comfort. 
God wants us to be dangerous this year. But to be dangerous, we need to trade up. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be the most dangerous you you've ever been. You've got to trade up. Let me give you two just simple examples of trading up. Perhaps, perhaps you want to trade up regarding the truth. And so you're going to trade occasional Bible reading to a Bible reading plan. All right, Lord, I'm going to trade up. I, I, you know, sometimes I get up in the morning and I go like this and I read. And this year I'm going to trade up to a Bible reading plan. Go to the app you version. There's other Google Bible reading plan. But just think about a consistent plan to read the scriptures. That may be one of the trades that you make. Another trade, maybe you want to trade regarding your treasures. And so you're like, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trade a week of vacation for a short-term mission trip. And if you've never been on a short-term mission trip, it will change your life. We were talking again around the, the table on, I don't know, Christmas Eve or the day after. I said, so where are we going? I asked some of our, our kids, where's the mission trip going to be this year? We need to go somewhere. We need to let the Lord open our eyes and change our hearts. And so maybe that's a way you could be dangerous. But think about it. How, Lord, how am I going to trade up this year? I was talking to a young lady uh, yesterday, in fact. She's a substitute teacher in the Cincinnati School District. Um, and she's also a campus minister on one of the, on, uh, one of the college campuses in Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati. And uh, she, I was just asking her, you know, as a substitute, how are, how, do you, how are you received when you walk into a middle school or high school classroom? And uh, she said, well, it was rough at the beginning. Now they, the kids kind of know me, but it's really hard. It's really hard. I, I, I really want them to learn, and I really want them to feel the love of Christ uh, flowing out of me. And, and I just get so frustrated. I'm, I'm like frustrated 95% of the time. And and, uh, but a, a little while ago, I realized, you know what? I, I have to stop being frustrated and stop trying to make them be who I think they should be. And instead, I'm, I'm going to just be who God's called me to be and show them the love of Christ and trust him with the results. And as she was telling me that, I was thinking, she just made a trade. She traded trying to make those kids be who, who she thinks they need to be. She traded that so she could focus on being who God has called her to be in that classroom. And she said, I've gone from being frustrated 95% of the time, she's an honest young lady, to being frustrated only 35% of the time. But that's trading up, isn't it? She traded up. She made a trade that honors God. So this year, I don't want to think about starting things and stopping things. It's just about trading up. Ask the Lord, Lord, what trades do I need to make? I want to trade something and get something better back. I want to trade the way I interact with you to a deeper, more meaningful relationship. I want to trade the way I serve you to a deeper, more meaningful way I serve you. We want to trade up 
so we can be dangerous people for God's glory. Let's pray. Lord, you're a good God, and you've called us to be dangerous people. Obviously, Lord, not in a violent way, but in a way that brings the love of Jesus to the world, and the world is changed as you work in us and through us. And so, Lord, we want to trade up. We want to be closer to you tomorrow than we are today. And so today we make some trades. We trade up so we can take that next step on our great adventure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.